Good evening, boils and ghouls, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I'm joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Uh, Tonight, we are starting off a non-horror Halloween triple feature that is my own selection. Um, our first film is 1976's, so the, the theme of the, the triple feature is movies that take place on Halloween or around Halloween, but are not horror films. Can we call it something else? Can we call it like not so spooky Halloween or something? Cause you're, you're yes, your title was cumbersome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll call it the not spooky, not so spooky Halloween. Thank you. So welcome to the not so spooky <laughs> Halloween triple feature. Um, our first film is 1976's Kenny and Company. Directed by Don Coscarelli. Had either of you seen this film before? No, Mike. No. We had not seen no. this movie or even <laughs> I know. heard that it existed. Yeah. I told you I told you um, this, but um but as you know, you have a reputation for picking movies. And uh-huh. a great and reputation. I asked and I asked uh I asked my wife, I said, Do you want to watch the movie I have to watch for the podcast tonight? She said, What's the movie? And I said, It's called Kenny and Company. And she said uh what's that and i said i don't know and she said who's in it and i said no one you know (laughs) and she just goes god damn it mike (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile thousands of miles away thousands of miles away i just i got like a little tingling somebody's cursing me (laughs) um well did you enjoy the film Ah, that's a tough one, man. I think I think what I enjoyed most about this movie is knowing that thousands of miles away, you were probably enjoying it. <laughs> you know, like it, it, yeah. it, it was very, um, it, it had that that Linklatery vibe that I know that you love, mm-hmm. and it had the suburbs, which I know that you love, and it had the mm-hmm. uh, children in it, which you love in a very appropriate <laughs> in, in a very appropriate way. <laughs> Um, uh, so I don't know, but there were, there were, it it felt, um, it was wild though, you know, like the things that happen in this movie, uh, sometimes they feel very normal. And then there are other things where it's like, oh, there's a grown man pointing a child, a gun at a child and it's a a joke. (laughs) And here's the thing. I think the thing that, that, that didn't, that didn't land for me the most was the humor. And that's also... Like, I got it. It wasn't like, uh, oh, this is, like, it's too much for me or whatever. It was just like, this just isn't, it's like, it's not Bad News Bears. It wants to be Bad News Bears, but it's just not, it's not hitting in the, it's not hitting the right chord, right? It's like, mm-hmm. for for some reason, I don't know if it's like, is it is it a step too far? Is it just a step too far outside of believability to me? You know, maybe that's it. Like, mm-hmm. maybe I just don't buy that this guy's going to point a gun at a child and it's going to be funny. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. So this is a very low budget film. Oh, yes. Um, 
Coscarelli was like 21 when he was making it. Um, it's definitely clunky. Like, um, I don't think I, it's, I, it's I like, don't think it's terrible. And I think, no, and I think all. the reason I don't think it's terrible is because I can see how low budget it is. Um, mm -hmm. and kind of appreciate that even though they clearly had no money, they still made a movie. So Can you imagine like, if one of your friends made this movie? I would be, be so like, proud of oh them. Oh my God. What yeah. a great job oh, you yeah. did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Kit, what did you think about the movie? I mean, basically the same thing. To me, it really reminded me of like, anybody, you guys ever see like the Charlie Brown TV show? Mm -hmm. That's what it was like. It was like, let's make a live action that, but we'll kill the dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the way that it moved from like vignette to vignette, like every 40 seconds. That was strange. Like, uh -huh. Reminded me of that. I just, I don't know. I when, So I, long story, but I watched like the first 15 minutes with the director's commentary on. Um, and they were talking about how they were inspired by, <clears throat> I don't, well, okay, they didn't say this, but, like, at the time, most of the movies they were watching were, like, French New Wave and, like, Truffaut and, um, you know, there's, like, kind of, like, Italian realism in that they're, like, casting non-actors and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, I totally... I see that. Like, I don't th think that that, I think there's the spirit of that in this film. But then there's also, like, as they're saying that, like a flip wipe, you know, mm -hmm. like to transition the image right. flips mm -hmm. horizontally. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, well, that's the Brady Bunch. Like, what, you know, <laughs> like, I wish right. they had, I don't, you know, so there's some really, like, stupid, like, cheesy things that happen and like the the voiceover like charlie brown would also do like you could hear charlie brown's thoughts every once in a while and like he'd let you know that he was in love with the little red-haired girl even though there's fucking hearts popping over her head when he looks at her and i felt the same way it's like you have an extremely long zoom onto this little girl and we know that we're looking from this guy's point of view it's like do we need to be inside this non-actor's head as he like tells us mm -hmm. <laughs> like he has a so yeah i don't know they didn't quite have the um restraint of Truffaut. um <laughs> uh i don't know it is but yeah i can't really i mean my favorite thing about it probably was like the locations because like this is in long beach mm -hmm. um which like i grew up just south of LA County and my mom is from Downey which is like I don't know 15 minutes from Long Beach and a, a suburb of LA and it, like seeing them go around those neighborhoods like very much how my neighborhoods looked and there were little specifics like having the water delivered to their house which like I don't know did you guys do that no mm -hmm. no we drank I, it I, the tap. I, yeah, so we had like the water, the like water cooler in our house all the time, like they have in the movie. Um, and his school, like schools in movies, n never look like my elementary school looked because, like, but my elementary school looked exactly like that, where like everything's outside. When you go to the bathroom, you're walking outside, like you're 
because you know you eat lunch you eat lunch outside every single day um and all that stuff so like i liked and all the skateboarding um i liked like that that made it like entertaining i guess that it was like not that i mean a lot of movies are shot in california obviously but not a lot of movies i feel are shot in like that version of california southern california so right. mm-hmm. that was cool well, and it wasn't like a California trying to look like Ohio. Yeah, like it was just it was California. Very yeah. California. Yeah, it wasn't was even it wasn't even like... California trying to look like California, right? Like yeah. it, just California. Exactly. Well, I'm thinking like yeah. they probably shot um, like um, Halloween, like <laughs> like right, right down the street here, yeah. but they like tried to make it look like you know Midwestern or I don't know mm-hmm. whatever pencil. I don't know. Yeah, Haddonfield. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, well, cool. I think the things that um, kind of jumped out at me was like you'd have one one moment they'd be talking about um, like uh, where babies come from, and then forty seconds later the kid walks up to an old guy and is just like, "What happens when you die?" And mm-hmm. it was just like, and I felt like there were moments like that that happened several times throughout the movie where I was like. All right, Don, you're telling me what the movie's about again and again and mm-hmm. again and again. And I never really felt like there was some grand understanding that was drawn from these mm-hmm. things. It was just like, ah, oh, when you're a kid, you wonder about these things. But this kid's wondering about all these heavy things in the span of, you know, four and a half hours or whatever. Um, so, I don't know. Just it, I, I think clunky is a really good word. It reminded me yeah. a lot of Mike's book, except Mike's book has a lot more insight into being a kid, I think, than, than the movie does. But it's very similar in that it's just like wandering around doing stuff, which like, yeah, that's like being a kid for sure. Well, here's the thing. Um, here's the thing. You know, Mike well, was a children, kid. I couldn't do that. Mike mm-hmm. was a kid. And, you know, the people in this movie, they're just playing kids. <laughs> Interesting insight. Mm-hmm. Huh. I was able to draw upon that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit, but it's not a movie that I would point everybody to and be like, it's, it's like an undiscovered masterpiece. You mm-hmm. must see it. Like it's, um, yeah, like I said, again, it's clunky, but it wasn't clunky in a way that bothered me one bit. Um, I generally, I love a movie just if it has kind of, kind of a regional feel. So like. There's a lot of horror movies that I watch that are really bad, but I just enjoy them because it's like, oh, like, look at that hotel from the 70s. Like, and it's not like, oh, it's like totally retro and they've done it up. all. It's just like, that's just what a building looked like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years before I was born or whatever. And I like that. I don't know. It's some historian in me likes that about movies sometimes. So there was that. Um, also, I love like Boyhood. Um, I love like uh, the Richard Linklater movie. Um there's, there's a handful of movies with kids that are about childhood that don't dress it up as an adult's perspective on childhood and which this does in some ways. So does boyhood. Yeah. But like I felt in this movie that like I had no idea who it was for, whether it was for a 10 year old or whether it was for a 20 or a 30 year old or whatever, looking back on suburban childhood, but like, um, regardless of who it was for, there were still moments in this movie 
that we're like, that's so perfectly what it's like to be like an 11 year old boy. We're like, you think it's the funniest thing in the world to like spend like a whole time, oh, like a day or weeks building this like stupid newspaper stuffed dummy. And then you throw it in the street and you're like, this is going to pay off huge. Like, this is like, we're going to like, you know, we're going to become famous. This is, you know, uh, and like, you know, in the film that actually goes somewhere kind of like, it's not like, you know, it changes their lives or anything, but like all of their like stupid young boy pranks are a little bit cinemified, but it's still like, uh, it's about as amusing as childhood actually was where it's like you, you have some sort of plan and then it's, you know, you do it with your friends or your neighbors or something like that. And it's kind of dumb. And then you all just wander away from it. Not disappointed, but just like, well, that was Saturday afternoon, like that kind of thing. Um, so I liked, yeah, I liked the locations. I liked just that feel of like sort of a non um, orchestrated look at childhood. Um but then I also liked, so like uh, the film Coscarelli did after this was Phantasm, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, and it's a straight up horror movie, but it's really weird. And actually it does have like, there's more going on thematically in Phantasm than there is in maybe your average like late 70s or early 80s horror film. And that's, I think that's why it's continued to be a classic and everything. Um, but it's about death and like family and grief in some ways uh but it's all it's fairly surreal like it's, it's it's kind of abstract in the way that they deal with that so it just kind of makes for a spooky movie um so it was very interesting to watch this loving phantasm so much and seeing that apparently in the second half of the 70s that was just something that coscarelli was very uh focused on because this movie there's lots of stuff with the family which i liked that his family wasn't like a big problem like a lot of times in movies either the parents are divorced and that's kind of a source of angst for the character or the parents are neglectful or they're just mean or too strict. And really like his dad was very helpful with them. His mother was very loving. Uh, so that was just kind of cool, which that exists in other movies, but anyways, so, uh, this one like phantasm, like there's family connections, there's grappling, there's a young person grappling with death and the meaning of death and like the implications of it. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I thought that was, it's almost in a weird way. It's like a, not a prequel, but it would, it would be, if I had seen this before Phantasm, I think I would have understood Phantasm right away instead of having to see Phantasm two or three times and be like, oh, like it's kind of about that. Um, so that was kind of neat, but yeah. And then also just like, I liked some of the stuff that was just kind of dumb, like dumb kid stuff, um, where like the part I laughed hardest at, I think was where. Uh, he's going to the bathroom. Uh, so he walks across and there's that bench that has wet paint on it. Mm -hmm. And so he just like writes his name in it and he gets it on his finger and then he's trying to get it off and it like gets all over his hands mm -hmm. and he can't wash it off. And so he goes to the nurse and there's like a line of other <laughs> children who have done the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, I like that. But, uh, and then I also just like the scene where it's like two or three minutes of them skateboarding. Uh, it's just a montage. That's my of, favorite part. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's really, it's well, it's well shot. Like I that agree. part of it, they, they did a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, that kid was such a good uh, skateboarder. Yeah, I know. And, and it's, I think they used a stunt double at one point. They did. Like when he was going through the fire. Yeah, for sure. That but, was a 100% most, like a 25-year-old man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But everything but, else he was doing himself. And I also, he seemed the most, yeah. I thought he was a good actor. And he seemed the most Californian to me because like he said, he never shooed. 
like when he he's like talking about the kid his his show. He said what? He said he's saying he never showed, but he said it like he never showed. And oh, okay. I like that. Um, Surfs up, bruh. Authentic California. That's what mm-hmm. you want, man. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think um, I think there were definitely. I think the thing that um, that really helped save it for me was that because um, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of kind of failure. I think in this movie for me, but um, you know, there's like a lot of out of focus shots. There was there was a ton of bad cinematography and and other and uh and you know bad acting and weird horrible lines and stuff but then there was like stuff that's like oh there's there's promise here and um i think uh i think a lot there a lot of the montage stuff is really fun oh you know what i really loved i'm kind of rambling here but you know what i really loved i think my one of my second favorite part of the movie is the the dummy thing that you mentioned where they mm-hmm. the way those people roll up and take the dummy yeah. I was laughing so hard just because of the way it was shot. Because it just turned, yeah. it turned very, very serious, uh, and it, 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 it felt, it felt like it, like almost like a completely different perspective than the, than the movie had to that point. Um, mm-hmm. Like it felt more, more like a, uh, like a thriller or something. Just in, just in those few little beats, but it didn't, yeah. it didn't, it didn't, like the movie didn't jump so far outside of your, outside of itself that it. Uh, it was like it pulled me out of it. Um, it just, yeah, it was just weird because it was just like all of a sudden, uh, it's like these, we- these kind of like very, very dramatic close-ups, uh, and then they just roll. And, and it's like, <laughs> why are these people taking this thing? This is so weird. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. That was really funny. Yeah. To me. yeah. Um. Let's see. <clears throat> Let me look at my notes here. The score is wild. That's one. Yeah, and the music started to bug me after was, a while because it, it really was like I, two or three songs. That also, I kind of liked how it all sounded like when Snoopy is Joe Cool, but then <laughs> yeah. it changes so rapidly. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's again like with because like the vignettes are like f- so short, and then the song changes like every single time. So that got really annoying. Right. But like in theory, the music was cool. Yeah, I guess one note I had was that. Uh, like I think this all takes place within like two or three within three or four days maybe of Halloween mm-hmm. leading up to Halloween at the end and uh like really a lot happens um so I was saying earlier that like I liked how it didn't feel necessarily like you couldn't feel like an adult reaching in and changing this kid's uh childhood um what do you what do you but, mean oh you like it well, didn't, it didn't feel like like the director was speaking from his own perspective. Well, it does, but I guess what I mean is, um, like a movie like Stand by Me, mm-hmm. which I love, mm-hmm. feels like a nostalgic, or even like something like The Sandlot, like a nostalgic look back from the perspective of adulthood onto childhood. Got it. And I think that this movie, Kenny and Company, has moments of that, but I think it um, also has moments of authenticity that aren't in those other style of movies okay it's like um, living in however, its own moment right yeah. yeah and it is for a lot of this movie but I, however i do think that there are these moments where it's like if the time was stretched out a little more um it would feel a little less it would feel a little less jarring and it would feel a little more real but to have like 
you know, a kid witnesses a car crash, his dog is, has to be put to sleep. Uh, you know, he has this relationship, you know, rise and fall with this girl. Uh, and then he confronts the bullet. Like, so it's like, there's definitely, when I was reading reviews online, I think there's more plot to the movie than people give it credit for, but I almost wish that it had been less plot because I almost felt disruptive from what I was really enjoying about the movie, which was sort of just this like, um, kind of meandering, very mellow feel of this kid kind of roaming around his neighborhood with his friends and just doing stupid crap. It was just like, there were too um, many, I, it felt to me like the movie felt like it, it had to say too much. Right. Yeah. Like it, and you know, it was really going for like more importance than it was really able to pull off. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like dazed and confused doesn't really do any of that. And that movie's a classic. Right. Oh yeah. Dazed and confused is, I mean, it's a little bit older group, but I feel like it does what I would have wanted this movie to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for a 20, I think back to when I was 21 and like if I was writing something or if I wanted to make a movie, I would want to say everything I was thinking in that movie. And so I kind of see how Coscarelli's like, you know, youth or his his youngness, uh, you know, that would hurt the film in that way. Um, but that doesn't mean I didn't still admire plenty about the movie. Sure. But... Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, I like Sherman a lot. Like the little kid who was tagging yeah. along with them. Sure, man. Me laugh. Yeah. That's how we talk about you, uh, Mike. I, that's yeah. yeah. I related most to, to Sherman. <laughs> What's going on guys? I liked when he said, um, you know, you have to be naked to have babies. What's that? I don't here. understand. He said, you know, you have to be naked to make you have to be, you know, you have to be naked to have babies. Yeah. Was who was it who said, I sure do like naked ladies? I think that was him. Cause he brought the magazine over. Yeah. Was that? Yeah. That's a little glimpse into the, uh, the life of boys that, uh, you never got to see kid. Oh man. You uh, missed it. they, I think they should have ended the movie with Halloween. Yeah kind of weird that they don't and it starts out like with the animated pumpkin and everything yeah well and, it, fe- and it feels like that is like well first of all that prank could have just taken place on halloween mm-hmm. whether they try to get the bully killed but they um <laughs> like it seems like it would have like from like if the movie were truly like this is a kid's perspective then like the climax is halloween you know, like right. whether anything important happens or not, like Halloween is the climax. Um, it, I thought it was weird, like, um, like, I, OK, it's a different time. But even for this being like an older movie, the gun play was so like there were some things they shoot that guy in the butt there. All the kids are like cocking and sh- and you know, pulling the trigger on the one dad's gun and like pointing it at people. Then in the end, they like, oh, the woman shoots them, shoots at them through the door when they sneak into her house, which Mm -hmm. is probably the most justified shooting in the film. And then, and because they're like throwing her husband's ashes around and shit or (laughs) her husband. And then the, then they like, ooh, that's how we'll stop this bully. This woman who tried to shoot us will get 
trick him into sneaking into her house and then she'll shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> and she tries to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. And then there's the whole scene in the Halloween or in the like store where I guess is that where he's looking for his gun for his costume or something. Um mm-hmm. With the which was like a cute scene of them just like going around the store. I was like, Mike's loving this, and then yes, <laughs> but they're just again just like playing with guns like the whole time. Yeah, now the the scene where um his the Secret Service agent guy, the dad, I guess what is it, Doug's dad, mm-hmm. I think he passes around his unloaded gun for the kids just to like look at. Uh, that alone, I was like, oof, and then the kid like turns and he like points it at his dad yeah. or something and like pulls the trigger and. Um, I guess I've seen enough more punishing films that I was fully expecting somebody to die in that scene. Um, <laughs> well, and then even but, uh, even when they're playing with the guns in the store and they like turn to like shoot at the dad and the dad shoots them both like directly right. in the face because he's a secret <laughs> service agent. So he probably has yeah. pretty good aim. It's like, <laughs> like, oh, my God, I don't know. There's a lot of fucking shooting in this movie. Yeah. I got a I got a question. So this play this movie takes mm-hmm. place in, in in California, and that dude is a secret service agent. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. I did what's not understand going, that. What's going on there? Well, so the secret service does more than just the president, I think. But he was talking like mm-hmm. he wasn't saying like I'm guarding the governor or a senator. No, I just want to know what the secret service. He was saying to guard the president. Yeah, but I mean, if, if it's like. Do you have, uh, like, do like would a Secret Service agent that is on the opposite coast as the president also carry a gun? <laughs> I don't know. Why? What? I don't know. I will tell you that about 85% of what I know about the Secret Service comes from a film called White House Down. Um, <laughs> came out a few years ago. Yeah, that's there a good movie. There are apparently secrets. There are 120 Secret Service field offices in the United States and another 30 across the world. Within California, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 Secret Service offices, field offices okay. right now. He, they, Don Coscarelli must know something very... He must have, like specific like uncommon information about the uh... I, I i don't remember if this was from the director's commentary or something but this the got kid's dad being a secret service agent was based on like his uncle or somebody he actually did know someone who's who okay. was a secret service agent cool and Which did, and kid, did the hand like and the did, would do the handcuff thing oh yeah that was funny yeah. that must have been on the funny. director's commentary mm-hmm. Yeah, I should listen to that. I did watch a little. There was a making of that was on the DVD. Um, it was like 12 minutes long. And it was actually so that was something that was kind of interesting is that so 20th Century Fox bought this, I guess, the rights, I don't know, the distribution rights or something. And uh, they didn't really distribute it in the United States. They weren't sure how to market it. And um, apparently they wanted it like a skateboard movie. And then they I don't know. I don't know why they bought it, but they, they bought it and just kind of put it on the shelf. But somehow it was released in Japan uh, like a year or two later. And so um, it was huge in Japan. What? And like uh, to this day, it has a Blu-ray release in Japan, but like nowhere else. Wow. That's crazy. And they they went over there. They said that Coscarelli and then I think one of the producers and then three, the three boys, they all went over to Japan. The the, uh, company distributing it in Japan brought them all over and they were like, before the movie had even come out, there was like all these, ooh, hit my microphone. There was all these people like greeting them and like 
uh, going crazy. And, you know, they got like the full celebrity treatment. And he said, Coscarelli said that a few years later when Phantasm came out, uh, he was looking, they were in Japan um, for, the, for the release of Phantasm and that he was looking through a movie magazine and it listed like the top 10 celebrities. I don't know exactly what the list was, but he said that um, the boy who plays Doug in this, who's also in Phantasm, um, he was listed as like the number seven biggest celebrity uh, but at like at like Sylvester Stallone and some other celebrity were like ranked <laughs> after him. So apparently Kenny and Company was gigantic in Japan. It's so funny how things like that happen. Like something that yeah. something that gets made here and then gets uh, exported somewhere else, and then we never really even knew it existed. I was in uh, yeah I was in Taiwan a few years ago, and I remember we went into this like uh, karaoke bar for like a quick drink, and they had like professional karaoke people like doing song they were doing like uh you know chinese songs or whatever and uh and and like after a few they were they like noted us and they were like hey we're gonna do one song for our american friends uh in the front here and so they start singing this song in english Uh and everybody seemed to know this song and then they end and it felt we felt bad we had no idea what song they had just sung (laughs) But apparently it was Weird. very popular. Uh, so it's just probably some David Hasselhoff song or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, I was actually, th- well, okay, let me see if I have more notes on on this. I did like the end sequence. I do, I wish it had ended on Halloween too. Like the, the, the climax had kind of occurred then. Um, but I did like the end sequ- sequence with all the kids like running through the streets to watch the fight between the bully and uh, Kenny. Um, I really liked when uh, Doug smack. So Pudwell is like running with the group and he's kind of about to like pass Doug as they're all chasing after Kenny and the bully. And uh, Doug just like smacks him with a newspaper in the face. That made me laugh. Um, toy store. I like the toy store. I laughed at Sherman um, riding the elephant at his birthday party. I felt uh, bad anyways. for the elephant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but yeah, but it was still at least a, a humor. I couldn't, I was you know. like, I guess it made me laugh when that was the end of the scene. Yeah. <laughs> it just ends there. Sherman on an elephant. Um, I also put, it reminded me of peanuts just cause there's really no adults around for a lot of it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I guess that was the majority of my notes, which could bring this down to our shortest episode. You ever. know, the only thing Please? I found really, really upsetting in this movie, like, uh, was um when that kid's dad uh inv- invites his own child to assault another child you remember that that was, was weird that? that was so weird like early in the movie like they uh they they did the mouse trap gag to the kid and then he goes and gets his dad and then his dad's like okay oh yeah these kids are gonna this kid's gonna stand here and you're gonna hit him as hard as you want it was so yeah. weird it, it honestly it made me feel um, I know it was meant to be funny, but it just made me feel bad for the kid who had to do the hitting. Yeah, like Charming. I just I felt like there's a there's a whole another movie about how this kid's getting abused at home or some shit. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was odd, but at the same time, I didn't think it was like it. Kind of, I never had that specific thing happen, but it reminded me of like other people's weird dads, like when I was like on the baseball team, or and not like abusive, like. Just like they're just 
they were kind of weird. And like they had, they kind of like, they would just power trip over little kids. So this is a whole subset of dads for you. Weird dads. I feel like, yeah. And it wasn't like there was a ton of them everywhere, but it was like, there was always like that one guy that was just like, I don't know this guy, but he like acts like he's like a king over me. And just, I guess, because I'm just a kid. (laughs) What? Did that ever happen to you? No. No idea what you're talking about. Just like another parent who like, who's like, uh, would yell. You're saying like another parent who's trying to like, uh, like, Use their 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 parental authority on you, yes. even though you're not like their solely, child. Yes, yeah, because they're bigger and like they're an adult, so they think that they can discipline like every child beyond what's just beyond just being like, hey, knock that off. But like beyond like being like, I'm going to dole out a punishment to this other person's child. Okay, I like, I can I now I understand. Uh, that's kind of what it reminded me. I remember me. I never had that specific thing happen. I went to the but, beach once with some friends, and yeah. uh, and and then there. Like if a like a an older like a couple who were like friends of the family came to like see them or something like they were they were there too for some reason and they had a dog mm-hmm. and I remember we were on the beach the the you know it the Oregon beach so you know n- not a nice day just kind not of not a real beach <laughs> anyway um, like the dog was like very playful and I remember taking a stick and like throwing it. And the dog would bring it back or whatever. And then I just remember them being like, don't do that. The dog's getting dirty. And I remember just being like, you took your dog to the <laughs> Oregon coast in the fucking rain. And then yeah. don't want children to play with it. I don't understand. Yeah. It was very weird. So, yeah, yeah, I think I understand now. My also, parents- just thought those people. My parents yeah. would have like straight up murdered anyone who any other adult who tried yeah. to tell me to do anything. So I think too that like people who do that would not do that in front of their actual parents. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like those people that knew that they that I was that my parents weren't around. So yeah. um yeah. But yeah, I think it is weird. I think I think there is a point. Like if a child's being a an asshole, um, I think there's I think there, I think there is a point where you can like ask a ask a kid to not do something in the same way you can ask another person not to do something because it's troubling. Yeah. I think absolutely. Once or t- one time, like a lady at a store told Sydney like not to look at the cards, like you know, like mm. the greeting cards, and like oh yeah, my mom yelled at her, and we never went to that store ever again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see that. You think of like five year old Sydney looking through card she's probably like her fingers are probably cleaner than mike's now (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) how much do you think that this this movie is like do you think that adam sandler watched this and was like this is i will make this movie yeah maybe i mean i don't know it's called grown-ups that he was, that it was like, this is the grown-ups version, the grown-ups, but we have not grown up and we just do the same. Because the vignettiness is so similar yeah. to grown-ups where it's just like, and here's a thing that happened and movie God. And also that right. Mike loves them both. Right. <laughs> See, but uh, grown-ups though, I don't feel like there's any of that like kind of slice of life stuff that I enjoyed about Candy and Company. That's like, why I, you I liked... liked Grown Ups is because it was slice of life and nothing happened. Well, but not, it wasn't, so it was like, it was uh, relatively plotless, but it wasn't, well, not slice of life maybe, but like, um, 
by being so low budget and homemade, Kenny and company, it gets like some random person's living room, which I find mm-hmm. some, I mean, not always, but I find that like there to be a little bit of value in that because it's just like, oh, cool. Like that's what, that's what like an un yeah. man manufactured living room. But yeah, but yeah, but there's, I would, I think there'd be a, a lot of, that could have been a good triple feature, you know, do days, uh, Kenny and company days and confused and grownups. Ever assign an Adam Sandler film for this podcast, it's done. So that's good. Yeah. If you want the podcast to end, which you may soon, that's how you can do it. Yeah. If Tom Cruise is ever in a movie with Adam Sandler, I may pick that. But what do you do in that situation, Kit? Okay. Well, he they almost were going to be in a movie I together, know. but is it a Tom Cruise movie and it's Adam Sandler trying to get an Oscar again? Or is it an Adam Sandler movie and Tom Cruise is doing like a Tropic Thunder thing? This is no, well, neither. It's it's a Happy Madison movie, but Tom Cruise is doing his Tom Cruise thing. What does that mean? And how uh, could that be possible? I don't know, man. Is it like hey, night and nothing, day? It's, think again? of it. No, no. It's like Mission Impossible, but with diarrhea jokes. <laughs> no, I will <laughs> I'm, not watch I'm, that. I'm laughing already. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, um. Tom I will Cruise say that there never. is nothing impossible for a Happy Madison production, as we have seen. Like, we think, like, how could they have roped this star in, or whatever? So, like, they would just do it, and it would just be what the movie was, and it wouldn't necessarily have to make any sense to us. I don't think Tom but. Cruise would do it. I think, honestly, because I think Tom Cruise has not made many missteps when he's decided to go out on a limb. Like, when he decided, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to play a vampire it was great. And when he decided mm-hmm. I'm going to do a comedy, it was like an iconic, not only his role, but like Tropic Thunder was a really big and like um, for that kind of comedy, kind of like prestigious kind of like. It was a moment um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like didn't Robert Downey Jr. get nominated? Yes, he got nominated movie, for, an Oscar for like a Golden Globe. No, for, like, he got an Oscar. Award. Oscar. No way. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually, oh he was probably because I'm friends with you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I got a Joe Rogan he clip did. recommended to me the other day. And, I did not uh, like Joe I'm Rogan. Just, I know. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, no, but it was like YouTube recommended it. And it was Robert Downey Jr. talking to uh, Joe Rogan about Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. It was I've seen that. I've seen that one. Okay. Yeah. His perspective on it now. And like, I, yeah, I those. It Andrew was doesn't like uh, Joe Rogan, but he knows any Joe Rogan. Just the episode you happened to mention. (laughs) I've watched the clips on YouTube because he does so many interviews with people that I do actually like. Yeah, that's. I don't dislike Joe Rogan, but I haven't seen enough. Maybe he's ridiculous. He is ridiculous. The things he. Yeah. Most the way he talks. The there's like the the five percent of his podcast that like I end up watching on YouTube or whatever is mostly interesting people talking and Joe Rogan kind of asking questions. The other ninety-five percent of the show, or whatever, is just him getting high and talking about like monkeys taking over the world and shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's a weirdo. Yeah, I, I liked for a while that he would like if somebody got canceled, he would put them on the show, and I liked because he apparently has giant reach, like millions and millions of people listen. Huge reach, yeah. Um, so I like that he was like giving people a chance to maybe defend themselves or just get their idea out there and like. And uh, I don't totally. There was. I don't totally understand his politics, which I think is kind of interesting in today's day. Um, mm-hmm. Like, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where he, where he falls. He seems to be like, like social, like he seems to be like, like he had Bernie, he had Bernie on. He was clearly using his reach to like help him, you know, get some more traction. But then he's very like anti, I don't know, PC and woke shit. So it's just like a weird kind of, it just, it, it doesn't quite fit the mold. Um, yeah. So in that regard, he's kind of interesting. Why are we talking about Joe Rogan? Well, actually, I sure let's bring don't back know. <laughs> let's bring it back around then. One thing I thought, not even watching Kenny. So I watched Kenny Company on Thursday. And then I watched last night, I watched Fear Factor. Thank God it's Friday, okay. which was um, like an old disco movie mm-hmm. uh, or like a movie kind of trying to cash in on the disco craze. And then I watched. Um, Shoot. Oh, this movie from the 90s called Brain Scan, um, uh, which is about like a video game. Edward Furlong is in it. It's kind of like a kind of like a horror movie. I know this. I know this movie somehow. Yeah. And it's not great. And like none of none of the movies were great. Kenny and Company, Brain Scan. And um, thank God it's Friday. But I think watching them all three, you know, within two days of each other, I had this thought and it was like. I feel like, and I've, I've, I complain about, you know, modern times all the time. I think there's a lot of great movies that come out still, but like, I feel like watching all of those, it was like, there was a group of people out there that existed around an interest and like California, Hollywood was making movies for these various like subcultures. And like, they mess it up a lot. Like if you watch like move, like hackers, I think is a movie that tries to capture a subculture (laughs) And just comes off as like a real outsider, like looking in, but it's, you know, still it's partially because of that is fun. Anyways. So I had this thought that like, I think with the internet subcultures don't exist in the way that they used to. And so I feel like I don't see these movies made for groups of people who are out there scattered around. It feels like they're trying to make, and this maybe is more of a critique of studios, which have always done this. So maybe I'm wrong, but like, they're trying to make one movie and that everybody is supposed to mm-hmm. like that movie. So it's got to, it's, so there's no like little niche, like, like indie movie or yeah, which is probably wrong. It's not, that's, that's a general statement, but uh, anyways, that was another thing I liked about Kenny and company. Like I could not tell who this was for. This was just a movie that the filmmaker wanted to make. And um, I liked that about it. You, I don't understand. <sighs> you, right. you like, you liked that. You liked that you didn't know who the movie was for? I Yeah, I thought that that was... I mean, because, like, it can sometimes be tiresome when you see a movie... Let's see. I'm trying to think of an example of, like, the opposite. Like, that's not always a good thing, but, like, um, like sometimes... Like, with a lot of the Sandler films, we were like, who is supposed to be enjoying this or something like that, maybe? But, like, with Kenny and Company... It wasn't, it was like, I don't know. Do you mean that it's just like, vision. It's, you, do you mean that it's a movie for everybody? No. Okay. I he means know. it's um, not a tentpole movie. He's saying that like now if you make a movie, you have to make something that everyone will like or they can't make the movie for the most I, part. Okay. Okay. Like you need like yeah. a huge audience. Whereas before you could be like, we're going to make a movie that's like perfectly tailored to this tiny group of people that we know exists and will all come see it. And that's enough for to justify making the film, and or we yeah, can make a film guess... that like I mean, hackers. It's not as if only hackers saw hackers, but like right. 
it, it was definitely like an illustration of a particular subculture. But that was even taking like a particular culture and making it into a thing that is yeah. is so incredibly interesting that people would want to go. I mean, it's hackers are stupid, but you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. that's not what real hackers look like. They made they took hackers, which was, are a bunch of nerds, and they made them like was, wear cool leather and look like rock stars. Not cool. I was thinking when Mike was talking about hackers that hackers is to hacking what Bohemian Rhapsody is to music. Sure. Yes. That's yeah. Cool. That's yeah. great. I, which I think makes sense. There's an argument that that's co-opting a subculture, and that people within that subculture they bristle at that like they hate yeah that. Like, i'm oh, assuming hackers be... fucking hate hackers because they immediately Probably. hacked the hackers website remember that mm-hmm. <laughs> i know i didn't know that yeah hacker, um, when the hackers yeah. website launched a bunch of hackers hacked it <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> to be like fuck this movie hell yeah yeah and i guess maybe kenny and company is a bad example of what i was trying to get at but it was like because kenny and company doesn't feel like it was made for a specific subculture I could name. Mm-hmm. Whereas Brain Scan felt like it was kind of for like the edgy, like horror band kids. I don't know, like what an adult thought. Uh, anyways, nobody's seen that movie, so never mind. But like, um, Thank God It's Friday was like clearly trying to cash in on the disco craze uh, that some people were into and that I think maybe other people had like heard about or found interesting. Uh, there were so a lot of movies that. like yeah. in that, like Rhinestone Cowboy, I would say. Or no, yeah. yeah, Rhinestone, right? That's the one with, um, what am I thinking? Urban was, Cowboy is the one with John Urban, Travolta. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Rhinestone Cowboy is like Dolly Parton or something, right? That's a song, That's just right? Rhinestone. It's also, it's also, oh, Rhinestone, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ur- Urban Cowboy, it's like, here's the cowboy movie and uh, Staying Alive, here's a disco movie. I mean, all of these have John Travolta, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, is yeah i don't know like i wish they would make a movie about um dream daddy or people who like you know (laughs) like i don't like really weird shit that people there is it's not like i mean people today are into weird fucking shit myself included they still make weird movies they do i know but like that that kind of like what would be like a recent like subculture movie? Because that did used to be a thing, and I don't know that it was like an indie thing, but it was like a well, we can make a movie about these f- freaks. Right. I gotta think. It's got to be out there. I mean, there's that tickle documentary. <laughs> there you go. See, and that's a lot of them now. Feel like they're just they make a documentary about those people because there's like there's a movie about um, like incels. And then there's a movie about, but also I think that because no subculture exists apparently outside of the internet and the internet is this big thing that everybody can get into that maybe they don't make a subculture movie anymore. Like, because everybody's aware of it through like little, you know, articles or forum posts or something like that. I don't know. Anyways, I had no grand point. Just trying to stretch this one out. Should we get to the cruise minute? Sure. Okay. I guess we kind of had a cruise minute. But I'm, but it wasn't I'm an trying to find minute. movies about subcultures. And What's the one that's like big fan? That's about fans, right? Oh, with Pat Oswalt. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good. And then movie. there's also the one where Stifler is like a hockey guy. Goon, great Goon. movie. Oh yeah, 
That's a really good movie. But these are all yeah. like 15 years old, probably at this point. No, Goon, right. Goon came out in like 2000, like nine or ten, okay. which is almost. It's <laughs> <laughs> so only a decade. Um, only a decade, yeah. That's a great movie. The last subculture movie come out. I don't even know. Green Green yeah. Room is kind of one. Yeah, that's what true. subculture is that? Uh, Green Room. It's like punk rock, but punk? also Nazis, <laughs> like neo Nazis. Oh, okay, that's a good. You haven't seen that. Oh, uh, Jeremy Sonnier, Sonnier or whatever. He did like Blue Ruin and. Yes, I saw Blue Ruin. Okay, it's better than that. You should watch it. It's it's brutal. Okay. Everyone loves that, that movie. It's stuff. like Anton. I mean, the Saf- one of the uh, Anton uncut gems. Hmm. Isn't yeah. uncut gems kind of yeah. that? I I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good example. Or what the one because you it like. Is like the one the one with the little girls in bikinis. What's that one? Uh, that Mike likes. What the fuck, man? Oh, Spring Breakers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See? Okay. Perfect yes. description. Yeah, and that's kind of another subculture movie, yeah. kind of. Yeah. I feel better because I feel Spring like I great. feel like for a second there we were basically saying they don't make those types of movies anymore, but then we found some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel no, yeah. Relief. Yeah. And Kenny Com- Kenny Comedy isn't even one of those movies. It's more like mid tier, I, I think, because like Hackers is a big Hackers was a big movie. It's not like Hackers is a small movie. Right, but it oh, yeah, was, was. I don't. It was a studio thing. I don't know if it was a huge hit or not. No, I think it, it was. was the, it was not. I don't believe it was a huge hit. But I'm saying it was oh, okay. like. It's not like yeah, that was an indie movie. It was just, you know. Even rom coms are like, have to be giant now. Um. Okay. Well, we are done with the episode. I believe we are. But let's. We got to do our Tom Cruise thing. Okay. Has there been any cruise news? I heard that. Uh, oh, I got cruise news. I'm yeah, gonna steal there's yours, been Andrew. some sad cruise news. Oh God! Mission what is Impossible. It? What oh yeah. Seven, seven and eight have been pushed back by five months each. I think. Fucking yep. Sucks. So the, it's hard times. I really wasn't lines. mad about the coronavirus until then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here we go. I found an, an article that says how much money Tom Cruise makes per word of dialogue. Ooh. Whatever it is, it's not enough. He doesn't enough, talk that right? much in Mission no. Impossible. Mm-mm. He lets other people talk. That's just the kind of guy he is. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy. Oh, God damn it. An how about how much up. money does he make per hanging off the side of a plane? Can we maybe calculate it that way? <laughs> yeah. Well, did you guys send me the thing about cakes? It's $7,091 per word. That's about what I make. That's that too sense. little. I agree. He's worth far more than that. Um, did you guys send me the thing about cakes? No. That, what are you talking no? about? Okay. I saw something this week that apparently uh, he still sends like Kirsten Dunst cakes like for her birthday or for Christmas. And he like so many of his co-stars. Yeah. Like, I heard last, something like, else about some, that he gives a sends a, Chris, a birthday gift to somebody like every year. Another person that he like yeah. starred with once. What was the story that you told Kit? Uh, or you sent you sent me a story about how uh, like the pen. It was like Kurt Russell or or Goldie. Somebody was having a party or something, and like they oh, just no, saw yeah. some. They saw some dude scaling a fence, and they were running yeah. out to like yell at them, and it was just <laughs> That's right. just Tom Kate, Cruise showing up to the party. Kate Hudson yeah. talked about it on Ellen. She and her brother threw a party at their parents' house, and. Then at one point, some guy just like hops the fence and basically like <laughs> does a round off, like lands on his feet, and it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
I, somebody mentioned Kurt Russell. I would like to see Kurt Russell and Tom Cruise in a film together. Be great. Someday. Kurt Russell Anyways. could be in a Mission Impossible. He could be like a government boy. I could totally see it, yeah. I mean, he's I basically doing that well in Fast and the time. Furious right now. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell's in Fast and the Furious? Yeah, he's yes, in dude. 7 and 8. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He's, and he's great. Nobody told me. He's great. <laughs> he's yeah. so great. He's so, so much fun. cute and cool. Mm-hmm. I love him. Mm-hmm. God, he's, he's cool. the best. All right. Well, let's wrap it up for today, folks. Thank you for joining us. Um, and join us next week when we will be discussing. But Mike, um, Mike, I don't know what, what movie are we going to watch uh, next week? Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. I had, we were just about to. We almost <laughs> missed it. Uh, we're going to be watching uh, The Hollywood Nights, I think is what it's called. Um, it's uh, it's also a film that it, w- it will continue our not so spooky Halloween triple What's feature. Hollywood Nights? What so, is it? Give us a little more. It's I'm I'm not sure. I think it's kind of like an American graffiti style movie, uh, but it's just like a 50s or 60s bunch of teenagers around Halloween. Oh, and then just as a little sample of two weeks out, we will be watching what I suspect will be the strongest film in this triple feature, which is uh, I think 2013, 2011, uh, Fun Size, starring Victoria Justice, which is a underrated classic. I say opinion, it's starring Jane Levy. Yeah. I think Victoria Jess is in it. She's more of the star. Jane Levy is a good co-star. So what you're basically saying but. is that it's okay for the listeners to skip next week and just hold out for the following week. They could if they I want, mean, if they're not interested. At, looking at the poster for the Hollywood Nights, I do not have high hopes. <laughs> Although I will say, Denise, your wife, who was disappointed with this week's choice, mm-hmm. Andrew, um, she will be happy to know that Fran Drescher is in the Hollywood Nights, which is the main reason that I wanted to see okay. it. So. She will. She likes Fran Drescher. Beautician and the Beast is her favorite movie. Also, she's a huge Robert Wool fan. (laughs) (laughs) So she'll be excited about that. I mean, Mm -hmm. so you don't want to miss next week. The Nanny and Arliss in one movie. (laughs) Is it Arliss? (laughs) I don't know. I never watched that show. All right. Farewell.